The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. up my friends welcome you already know to the mma fighting ranking show we appreciate you as always for joining us hope you're out there enjoying the holiday season have a fantastic little december i mean this is just so wonderful the air is crisp it's the best time of year cheers in the air you really you really just love to see it and what a group we got today my name is of course is sean alshadi i'm here with the man himself the king in the north the prince of positivity Alexander K. Lee, A.K. my man. Happy holidays. How we doing? Happy holidays, Shane. Welcome back. The people thank miss you. you. The people you. love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're very excited for all the you know the new developments in your life. But they miss you. They want their they want their Shaheen Al Shadi time. So you know we 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 can we in the MMA community can be a little selfish. So we're happy to have you back. Uh, it was a very short ranking cycle that we'll be talking about. It's about three three UFC shows. Bellator was in there. One there was like a one couple of ones. One's got a weird schedule. One's got some a weird we, blank. Could just generally be like a thing. sure. And we lost a lot of fights. We lost some notable fights uh, that I was fully expecting to be talking about on today's show, uh, but that did not happen. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what we've, got. we've scraped together for the people uh, on this episode. <laughs> you really, you really. That's quite a tease. I'm sure for people are very interested now. Mm. Uh, so of course, you guys already know this is our monthly peek behind the curtains of the MMA Fighting Global Rankings, uh, AK. Very much appreciate you holding down the fort last month. I was I was out there on diaper duty for a newborn. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I challenge anyone on this team to come at me with a diaper speed changing contest because I'm out here putting out record numbers. I'm just saying gauntlet is thrown. If anyone wants to, to take I, I it I don't up. think it's supposed to be about speed from what I know. I, I am not a father myself, but I, I, I think if you're doing it too fast, you might be doing you, you might. You know, there might be some mistakes being made. <laughs> Look, AK, you change 
20 diapers in one day and then you're gonna okay. start thinking about speed that's all i'm saying all right. you can only take too long doing this uh <laughs> but let's bring in our panel because it's been a bit of a shorty ranking cycle as we said this month um as you guys know we go pay-per-view to pay-per-view ak laid it out three ufc events little splash of bellator well pfl finals uh but we still had a quite a bit going on so we're going to get into it the gang though our other brilliant minds joining us on the panel this month first the legal eagle himself uh, he is the host of No Bets Bard. He is the host of Damn They Were Good. AK, he's your best friend and mine. Uh, oh, shit. I had I had it written down Mike Heck, but this is not Mike Heck. This is uh, definitely Jeff <laughs> Shoe. So I'm going to redo that. No, you know what? We're keeping it in. I was we're like, he's one, of my, he's one of my <laughs> best friends. I was so excited. I thought I got promoted, and then nobody You're, told me that I'd moved up the best friend ladder. You're one of my best friends, Chad, for sure. Sean, no this is exactly like the Magman Ankle Eye of Robbery because I wasn't even <laughs> thinking that I was going to win. I didn't even think that I was going to be AK's best friend. We all know who has the title. And then suddenly you're throwing it out there. I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is a free gift, a free gift. And then, then it's snatched away at the last moment. The hope really is what kills you in the end. I am Jed Mishu, not Mike Heck. <laughs> Happy to be here, guys. We're, we're thrilled as always to have you. I, I, we appreciate you. Uh, and of course, the OG, the, the brains and really the charm behind fighter versus writer you know him as the future governor of ohio he is damon martin what's up my man oh boy that's a that's a lofty expectation to run home state uh yeah i'll just say the man who's going to watch his ohio state buckeyes beat the georgia bulldogs oh in the college football playoffs just throwing down the gauntlet to mr jed mishu right there let's just go and get this party started i mean I know that we aren't quite as good as some of the fierce competition that you struggled with midseason, but I suspect <laughs> reigning national champions <laughs> headed by a 35-year-old quarterback <laughs> is, is going to be able to do something that's pretty okay. I'm glad you brought uh, that up, David, because there we got we're gonna have a this is like a little preview almost here today of, of the civil war we're gonna see between you guys later. Uh Dame, you're obviously Mr. Ohio State, Jed, you're Mr. Georgia Bulldogs. You guys are gonna be sworn enemies here coming December 31st. Your team's meeting the NCAA college football playoffs for people who don't know. Like, what's the relationship like right now? Like, this is the calm before the storm. Is there is there tension? You guys a little wary of each other? You you dropping dropping little slights uh, here and there? Like, how's what's this like? Honestly, I'm pretty good. Uh, I didn't think we'd be here anyway because I I I was born and raised in Georgia, and my life is built to expect bad things to happen to sports teams from this state. So when we won last year, we're I'm good. I'm good for like a decade. Like I'd like to win more. That'd be awesome. But if we just never win again for the next like five years, I can't even be that unhappy because the way it all unfolded last year was great. So. Uh, I think we're going to win, and I would sure love to beat Ohio State. But it, you know, great year if not. I'm okay with where we're at. I'm just a happy guy. Yeah, and uh, on my note, all jokes aside, I didn't think Ohio State was even going to get in the playoffs after losing to, to Michigan. So I'm already writing really out. you guys already, dead there. Uh, already, already writing high thanks to USC completely blowing it against Utah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just be happy that we got in and hope that Ryan Day doesn't screw up another game like he did the Michigan game. And uh, also another big rivalry game coming up in two weeks, just to throw it out there for our staff, uh, it will be my Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Buffalo Bills in a couple weeks. So Ariel Hawani, I'm calling him out as well because uh, we got we got a big game coming up in the in the in the jungle in two weeks. David Martin just wants all the smoke. Yeah. He's here for it. Can I 
Can I say, I have way less beef with Damon than I do. I'm so mad at USC and Caleb Williams because <laughs> they were a cupcake. And I had already written it off. It was like, Ohio State, they, they threw the ball. We're done. Michigan beat them. I have no fear of Michigan since we thumped them in February. And now it's we're going to get to play USC in the semis. It's just it's a bye. You might as well not even make us play the game. Now we have a much more difficult test because USC sucks. So, I mean, I'll tell you as an alum of a Pac-10 school, a general rule to live by is if a Pac-10 team or anything <laughs> so is in any sort of high pressure situation they're probably going to blow it like just expect the worst and maybe be surprised if something else happens uh, but, but, but we're not we're not a college football podcast so maybe we start start somewhere else uh because this ranking cycle was really all over the place fellas so jed let's start with you my man when it came time to sit down at the ballot box and really fill out your rankings this month what was the standout story who was the standout move for you I have, I wrote down many answers. I didn't know where everyone would go. I wanted to bring some diversity. I have a second one that I'd like to bring back at the end because it's not the standout, but I want to mention it on this pod. But the lead for me, and it's probably not going to be a lot of people joining me, uh, Anatoly Malikin. No. That dude is unbelievably good. Is and I know that this is wild to start with I a one super championship did not fighter. To start here, but no, because everybody else going to talk about the other stuff, and we even have a whole segment to what I think is the actual true answer to this of Kayla Harrison. But we're, we're going to collectively speak about that. But Anatoly Malkin came out of nowhere, and we all know I'm a big RDR guy. And I, I've been, I, I was the guy leading the charge to get him ranked at middleweight. Uh, everybody st started to come along and believe in him too. And he got walloped by Malikin. And Malikin's looked good, but he looked good at heavyweight. This is his first time fighting a light heavyweight. I'm pretty sure that that's true, like in his whole life, but it's certainly true in one. And he looked unbelievable we're out here trying to solve the rest of the light heavyweight division and all the various complexities is going on with the nonsense of last weekend and it's entirely possible that the best light heavyweight in the world actually is fighting in one championship right now and that blows my mind so i want to pick him because he is certainly the biggest i think he's the biggest mover numerically because he was he was put unranked, wasn't even a Favre, and wasn't even close to being ranked on anybody's thing. And I think now we've got him close to a top 10 light heavyweight. So he's my choice for the biggest story of this cycle. Can I can I pour water on this? No. I feel like I know how you're going to do it, but please. I mean, it's not hard. Uh, well, one thing he's not I do, a light heavyweight? He's not a light heavyweight. Well, one thing I give props to uh, Jed because... Jed, you've been you're a big RDR fan. You love uh, Reiner De Ritter, and so for someone to beat him is a big deal. Even though we we still think Reiner De Ritter is like a top guy at middleweight, you know, light light heavyweight. He, he competes a light heavyweight, and forgot to, to beat him, hand him his first loss in either division. Very impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's. Do you know what Malakin weighed in for for this fight? It was like two twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, like, yeah, but that's this is we don't need to rehash oh, no. this thing. No, no, no. It's that's it's, that's how one does their stupid shit. They do, they do. And we've, but it's, we've decided to treat that as how it goes. No, but even with like a, an Adriana Marais, like he has made 125 before. 
And it's like, <laughs> hey guys, so can we talk about the flyweight like, real quick? <laughs> say, oh my God. By the way, let's talk about the flyweight division. Hold on. No. Uh, so Malik technically still has not made the light heavyweight division like by by any other anyone else's standard. But that's fine. He has he has a one light heavyweight. It's just fine. weird to say that. I'll he's say Kayla Harrison him. losing because oh that's God. clearly the number no, one I think answer. Is, listen, there's no need to get defensive. I'm just clarifying I for the listeners to, at home. I feel that, like we need to institute a no one championship <laughs> conversation at all, like rule <laughs> on this show because it inevitably no, leads I won't to do that. The, I won't do I that. End up, that was my fault. I I didn't no, think about Malikin, that at all. My fault. Malakin deserves his flowers. This guy is incredibly impressive. And, and I think he can make ruled. I think he can make 205. Let, 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 let's be clear here. I think he can make 205 as well. I, I don't yeah, look at this guy. He's yeah, I don't. Almeida. He and sure, Jailton could sure. both do 205, and they're yeah. probably two of the top 10 heavyweight and light heavyweights in the world. Yeah, he's six feet tall, so he's not like a massively tall, like uh, heavy. He's, he was yeah, not he's that just, much yeah. bigger than RDR, for being right. honest. He just right, right. put the boots to him. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So, he I'm just, flowers. I'm just I'm, watching I this that. unfold. Just watching this all unfold. Yeah, we got us off all track. Right. Real early. Right. I'm supporting now it. that. Now that 90 percent of our audience has dropped off with all the malignants. <laughs> uh, Damon, what was your standout story of the month? So this is going to be a weird one. I'm going to say, of course, Kayla Harris is the big one, but we're going to spend time talking about her. So I'm going to go with the, the biggest mover going one spot in the rankings. And everyone's going to say one spot, one spot. I'm going with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson resurrecting oh. his career with one win. Uh, he was off two losses in a row. But kind of felt like he was forgotten at that point. Like we kind of knew what Wonderboy was, and and it seemed like he was just going to continue to like tinker his way down the rankings. And he only moved up one spot this month, which I know I said is not like a monumental thing. But let's be honest: at 39, going on 40, I think a lot of people had written Wonderboy off for him to go out there and have that kind of performance over a really good fighter in Kevin Holland in a striking matchup. And Kevin Holland wasn't ranked, but Kevin Holland's really good. Um, for him to go out there and lay the kind of beat down he did on Kevin Holland and stop him in the fourth round. I just, I, I loved it. And it just, again, it just kind of resurrected his career. So yeah, he only moved up one spot in the rankings, but I think it was like a legitimate one spot because everyone kind of wrote him off. And I'm not saying us as a staff, I'm just saying like as a sport, we kind of wrote wonder boy off after he lost to Blau and, and Gilbert Burns back to back. And even though two of the top five guys in the world, but still, he lost pretty one-sidedly to Bilal, and it's kind of like, ah, we know who Wonderboy is. We're just going to kind of forget about him. I just thought it was really impressive. He went out there and kind of resurrected himself with one big win. I mean, he was in a spot where any sort of upper trajectory is like, like that was it, right? Like, he needed anything to move him upward, because you're right. At this point, it felt like we had all sort of written him off. It's like, eh, I think we've I'm seen the best I'm still writing him off. I ain't changed. <laughs> but he, still, oh, he clearly and, and, and has some clear. juice left to squeeze, you know? Yeah, and to, and to he, be clear, he like clean he's and to be, if you're not going to tackle him. <laughs> yeah, to be clear, he still isn't beating Usman. He still isn't beating Shamayev. He isn't beating the wrestlers. But you know, we forgot he has a win over Jeff Neal. He has a win over Vicente Luque. He has a win over a lot of the guy. He has a lopsided win over Masvidal. He has a lot. So striking matchups. But now, like I said, he ain't going to beat the wrestlers. But you know, he can still get to like number six again, which is probably higher than most people thought he'd ever get to again. It's funny you mention that uh, because you're right. He's not beating the wrestlers. Would you care to take a look at our welterweight rankings or currently Leon Edwards, uh, Kamar Usman, Hamza Chemaev, Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad, Yaroslav Amasov, and then Shavkat Rachmanov, our top eight. The only one of those is maybe Leon Edwards doesn't just tackle him to the ground. 
Nine is the tops for Wonderboy because he is not beating a soul on that list and has already lost to many of them, in fact. And hey, there's nothing wrong maybe with that. So. And I actually think, you know what? People are going to say I'm crazy. I think the Edwards is a winnable fight for him. I've always said that. I thought Wonderboy could beat Leon Edwards. Like, I think that is just, a winnable fight for him. But he's never going to get there. That's, also, that's yeah. maybe the only. But, but again, also, like, and again, I'm just giving. At tackling people. <laughs> yeah. I'm just giving credit where credit's due. I think, I think universally across the board we all kind of were like looking at thompson is like going down and he actually made a bump up and actually did it get a big win an impressive win so i just credit where credit's due because he did kind of resurrect himself when he was seemingly all but forgotten i mean i'm a big fan of giving credit where credit's due and i want to do the same with with my opportunity here because my boy Ilya Taporia yes. is going to take this division by storm sooner or later. And he finally made his first move for us, at least to really make that first step, right? He is now a top 10 fighter for us. I think he was number 14 before UFC 282 and is now number nine. Uh, so he's in that conversation now. And ah, God, man, I go watch that guy fight every single day. Like he is entertainment personified to me watching someone swing as hard as he swings with the, with the grappling skills that he does have as well. Like, he is a total package, and I am completely here for any Ilya Taporia matchup that the UFC could possibly throw me at this point. Like, feed this dude to everybody, speed run him to the top. I want to see this. Firm. He's agreed. a monster. Yeah, this dude's. He is. He was on my list, but I just figured somebody would pick him, so I didn't want to. I don't want to rehash it, but yeah, everything you said, Ilya rules. Guy's gonna fight for a belt. He he completely outclassed a very good featherweight in Bryce Mitchell. Like I think we we all think, regardless of personality, Bryce Mitchell has the skills to be a top ten guy. But we saw this between. I mean, now we think Ilya is like a top five guy. Uh, he's only number nine this month. He jumped four, 14 to nine, I think. 14 to nine. It's probably a little bit too low. Uh, probably a little too low going in. It's probably why the jump was so dramatic. Um, but yeah, he looks like a top five guy. Bryce Mitchell still looks a top 10 guy. Nothing against him. But boy, that gap between that top five and, uh, you know, again, Ooh. like Bryce Mitchell, I think is pretty huge. So can we can uh, we dig into that for a second? Because yeah, I'm for not sure. sure that Bryce Mitchell didn't lose some shine there. I certainly think that I think that. I'm reevaluating some things about Bryce Mitchell f- following that fight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that he's a top ten guy in the world right now. To be honest, I, I definitely don't think he's a top ten. I, I think he maybe can get there. Like he, oh. he's still he's still young. Well, I think I have him right at fifteen. Yeah, you I never had I, him in the top ten, and you kept him out. You dropped him a spot. You had him at fourteen. You dropped him to fifteen. So you never believed, Jed. You never believed in uh, well, Arkansas. I, I just had some questions. He he clearly has like a really good skill. Like he is a, an A plus grappler, but. One of my big questions was he has been the hammer in almost all of his fights. And mm-hmm. this was the first fight that we really saw him get punched. Like, and if you look at his resume, I, I talked about this on the post show. He hasn't fought a string of hitters either. Like Edson Barbosa can punch really hard. Edson Barbosa got taken down instantaneously. Tr- Charles Rosa, same way. He hasn't really fought a guy who's punched him in the mouth and then see where it's at. And you know, I know he's come out and say he had had the flu and didn't feel good, and maybe this is armchair psychologist. It looked like he wanted no part of the business with Ilya from moment one. The first left hand that came through, Bryce's entire demeanor to me looked like I don't like this, and like that's a huge concern. If you, if 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 the key to beating him is you just have to stuff the takedowns. And then he is going to be a very fundamentally different fighter. That's why I put Brendan Logan above him. Brendan obviously had a great run through the PFL, showed that he can stuff stuff the takedowns and has got the hands. 
I have real questions about what Bryce's ceiling is. If this is all true, I, I need to see him fight a little more now. To be Brett, fair, though, I will say the first time Ilya Taporia punches anybody, they're probably going to have yeah. that same exact reaction yeah. unless they're an absolute maniac. <laughs> yeah. He's by the way, throwing uh, Brent, his whole body at you. Brendan, Brendan, by the way, making his debut at number 15. Uh, so, Brendan, what, what, a, what, a, what a cycle for him. I mean, he becomes a PFL champion, wins a million dollars, and gets the number 15 spot in the MMA fighting global really rankings. The I mean, he's, looking, all. he's looking it's at all three of those things right now. The, it's like... What's the best of those? You it's know? like, it's it's like really the LeBron, I can't believe this is my life meme. You know what I mean? He's just like, oh, he saw that number 15 MMA <laughs> fighting next to his name. It's, just it's not so every thrilled. day you win a million dollars and it's the third best thing to happen <laughs> <Yeah>. to you. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, I just looked at my rankings. I realized I didn't bump Tapori up quite as much. And I think the main reason was is because I didn't have Bryce Mitchell as high because I wasn't mm-hmm. sold on Bryce Mitchell. So it's not that I don't think Tapori is that good. I think he's absolutely legitimately. I said after the fight, I said, give him Arnold Allen. That's the fight I wanted to see. I put on Twitter. I said, I feel bad for Arnold Allen. You know, Arnold Allen against Max Holloway is probably the better fight to make. But Max doesn't really seem all that interested in fighting right now. At least it doesn't on the surface. He doesn't seem all that enthusiastic about it. So I said, Allen versus Tapori is the fight. The only reason I didn't bump him up higher is because of that. Because I just, I just was not sold on Bryce Mitchell. I just, I don't think he's a bad fighter, but I definitely don't think he's a top ten fighter. Um, good win, quality win. Tapping him out was really impressive because Bryce is good on the ground. But I just, I was not, I was not sold on Bryce Mitchell. Even with the Edson Barbosa fight, I just, I wasn't ready to anoint him like a legit top ten guy. I think I had him ranked in the top fifteen. Now he's down at like number fourteen. Uh, I just, I wasn't sold on him, so I didn't bump to pour you up quite as much although i will say i'm 100 sold on the guy ak what about you what was your big yeah. move with the, the i, I would have picked Taporia, but i, I want to go in a different direction now i would pick to again and with all the you know whatever you feel about how you feel about again uh whether bryce mitchell's a top 10 guy or not just the the way which he cleared him was like so impressive i'm like you i i i, I was just wowed i mean we all i think we all thought elio was going to win but man, just complete dominance again. Yeah, made Mitchell look like a, a top thirty guy, not a top fifteen guy. Uh, so I'll go to the heavyweight division, and it's a big jump as far as like you know, it's it's harder to go from you know into to get into a top five spot, I think, than it is to like go from unranked into the top fifteen or from the top fifteen to the top ten. Once you break into that that top tier of the top five guys, uh, it's impressive. So Sergey Pavlovich, man, I mean. This guy looks like an absolutely insane killer with his striking. Uh, Tattoo Vasa was the perfect matchup for him. You knew there was going to be chaos. Uh, there's certainly a chance he could have been the one that gets that got got. I mean, it's heavyweight, but uh, the way he looked, like I don't even think it was just random. I think like he run that back ten times. I think Sergey Pavlovich, Pavlovich wins nine times out of ten. Um, there's just a, a, a there's just something to his power which is so scary uh and i was just looking i was checking back here he was obviously going into 2022 unranked he hadn't fought in like three years just had all kinds of things that kept him out of the out of the octagon so it was pretty much a non-factor like i think we all were all aware he was good but anytime his name came up it was just like oh why hasn't this guy fought not like this guy's a future contender for sure well also um, like he had that his debut loss where he just got yeah. just demolished by alistair Overeem, right an all-time great yeah it's very easy to write somebody off when that's the first introduction to him and the guys he beat after that weren't like super great. Shout out to Maurice Green. But I mean, like you Tico, these guys in the first round, you're kind of just doing what's expected of you. And he comes back in this year, gets three wins, I think, three and oh in 2022. Not just knocking people out left and right. Heavyweight MVP, baby. Probably a dark horse on fighter of the year, to be honest, like uh, just to at least to be, right? land on the ballot. Not not ranked uh, going in again because he really wasn't eligible. And uh, number four now, number four on our list uh, heading into uh, 2023. 
It's great. Great choice. Can I bring up the thing I wanted to talk about? I didn't want to lead with this because it's really negative, but we kind of mentioned it a little bit in passing. And I was looking through this and I got to say, this won't be the story of the cycle so much as it's the story of the overarching thing. Women's Bantamweight is a tough <laughs> scene, guys. Do we have to talk about this? I I brought I looked up a stat because I was trying to I was looking at it and we had a discussion about our ranking there and how it goes offline. Do you guys know the last time there was a women's bantamweight fight in the UFC? Oh, I'm gonna guess it's a really long time. So let me say two months. Was it Lena Landsberg? Was that the last one? Was that um, her fight? Was it, didn't she have a fight for like not recently, but like when, oh, yes. was that it, the it, one? Lena, it, it was Lena Landsberg, Carol Rosa at at UFC 280. Yeah. And UFC not, 280. 280, and there is not another one until. Um, uh, I think it's the Gaslam Imovov. I think the January card has one on it. Yes, because that has Caitlin Vieira, Ro- Rocky Pennington. So we're talking UFC 280. October to January. October 22nd to January 14th. And that's if <laughs> Vieira Pennington holds up. Still several weeks away. That could fall out. God. This is a division that th- there's no movement in this division because nothing happens. And it is... It, I just wanted to mention it because I see it and I, I know that other people out there see it. And that's just, it, it is just wild to me that there has not been a fight in this division <laughs> in three months. It's nonsensical. Holly Holm. It's number four in our rankings. Um, what's Holly Holm done in the last like few years? She arguably <laughs> beat Ketlin Vieira. Yeah, but no, she didn't. lost no, officially. She didn't. <laughs> She definitely did not. That she took some. She took some photos with rare. fighters at UFC 283 this past weekend. I saw. Okay, her so she's around. Excuse me. So she's around. She's on but social yeah, media pretty... posting some photos. I saw that. Yana Kunitskaya is number seven. She hasn't fought. I think scenes. since having a child. Like it's really I, tough I, scenes. Well, I just week, mentioned this because I officially didn't put a, a number fifteen ranked fighter in, in my women's band. Wait, this a protest. A pro- in protest. In protest. Well, no, I mean the, no, the, the topic came up because Julia Avila. Julia Avila left. Yeah, passed yes. our eighteen month mark, and she was holding she, down a yes. spot. And I think all of us were left in a situation where we're either going to rank <laughs> Lena Landsberg or Lucy Pudilova. <laughs> That's and I just refuse to rank Landsberg because like I just can't do it. I can't put her in here. It's a so, rough division. I man. contemplated I contemplated leaving the last spot just empty to see if anyone would notice because I feel like an Lands- empty spot is better than what I had to choose because that division, like we talk about how bad like featherweight isn't really a division. Women's featherweight isn't really a division because it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm starting to think bantamweight is that way. It's like five <laughs> fighters, and that's about it. Like it's real, real bad. Fun fact: Women's featherweight has had the exact same number of fights over this period Jeez. of time, wow. and they will have one at UFC 283. So really, we're looking at the same rate of activity division wide at this point. Who is Norma Dumont, who is that? Who is what? Uh, Jose Nunes versus uh, uh, Fernando Santos. Oh, Zara I love Fernando Jose Nunes. So I'm not going to talk any chunk about that. Fight, yeah, it's but, a fine fight. It's yeah. just. When we were talking about it offline, then I was looking at it and like, what's the story? And I know that this isn't the story in the same way, but this feels really relevant that when a fighter exits our 
but by time limit, it's like there's actually no one to put in here because there's so few fights globally <laughs> to yeah. do with this so, division. Some of the other divisions where that happens, we're kind of like, oh, cool. Like there's guys like I who have like some really you know, deep divisions. We're like, oh, cool. We ah, finally I get to put, put this guy in the ballot, get him a point. Like, you yeah. know, the division is just so deep. This one, we're like, um, who? EFL. Yeah. <laughs> PFL, I am encouraging you. I like to reward your champions, especially if they had really good seasons and weren't like some like I've got a couple champions ranked this time. Make a women's bantamweight division. You're going to get like four ranked fighters just by having it. I was going to say, Alexis Davis is number 12. She's no longer with the UFC. She hasn't, we haven't heard a peep if she's going to fight for anyone ever again. And she's still holding on to the 12th spot in our rankings ahead of Misha Tate. With one yes. win since coming back over uh, Marion Renault, who's retiring. In one that win fight. in the last seven and, years. And her last fight was at Flyweight, and she's holding down our 13th spot. Literally spots. one win in this seven years. It's, it's actually a this perfect segue, because if you look at that 135-pound division for the women, that used to be the marquee division for women, right? Like, that yeah. was yep. the glamour that division for Huge so draw. many years. And Huge then draw. if you look at the men's side, for so many years, the glamour division was the 205-pound division. And what we have now come upon with this 205-pound division, I mean, obviously, fellas, a lot of the movement from this past cycle came from this past weekend at UFC 282, final pay-per-view of the year. Uh, And Jesus, the MMA gods gave us a weird one. Like, it might have just been the kind of pay-per-view we deserve because I don't know that there's a more proper way to close out one of the weirdest years that we have ever seen with some just King Weird-ish as we're headed out the door that we got. Um, and so we published our ranking shakeup figure on MMA fighting, focusing on light heavyweight this Monday. And I don't know how else to frame it other than this division is just a mess right now. Like it is just an absolute mess. This event that is supposed to give us some sort of clarity gives us zero at all. Nothing makes sense. The UFC is out here making decisions on the fly in the same way that I would at like a country harvest buffet, just sort of picking things on the fly and say, Hey, you know, I'll have a little bit of that now. I'll have a little bit of that. Uh, Anthony Smith's out here getting his heart broken on live on national television. After all of this, here's where we landed. Top two, hold firm. Yuri and Glover, one, two. Then we have Mamagomet and Kalaev, I guess the, I suppose the winner of this draw, moving up two spots from six to four. We have Jan Bukovic moving down one spot to number five, and then creeping in at number three, kind of the dark horse of the division, Bellator champ Vadim Nemkov, who gets his revenge on Corey Anderson. Corey doubles down at number six. So again, in order, Yuri, Glover, Nemkov, and Kalaev, Jan, Corey. That's your top six. Damon, how did you make sense of this? How do you make sense of this? And did we get this one right? Because this division right now is just all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think the Ankalaya move up was justified because I think he won that fight. I had a 48-47 for him. I still have issues with the judging that night. I have a lot of issues with the judging that night. Don't even get me started on Patty Pimblett. Um, so I had a 48-47, so I didn't really completely understand the scoring. And I, I've kind of learned to live a little bit by the the edge of my Jed Mishu pants and that I just kind of <laughs> go with what I feel. And I feel like Ankalaev won that fight. So I put him up. And live. I think that's a, the only way to live in this game damon welcome to the dark side i i think it's uh, i think it's kind of justified to bump him up nimkov had a really you know really impressive win over Corey anderson dominated him and really just kind of flip-flopped from what happened in the first fight where he was getting dominated and nearly finished before the clash of heads gave it a no contest so i think that's justified Listen, we know, we all know if things go the way they're going to keep going that, you know, Yuri is probably going to drop at some point because chances are he's going to be out for a while. I mean, maybe he's not out for 18 months, but 
it, it doesn't, I mean, shoulder injuries are nasty. I mean, TJ Dillashaw just retired from shoulder injuries. So who knows? And it's not like Yuri's, you know, this super young guy is not 22. So um, right now I think we got it right. Yuri is, you know, he was still the rightful champion. He didn't lose. He didn't, you know, do anything to surrender the belt besides get injured. Glover still number two. Nimkov feels right at three. It's just, we had no, we had no clarity from this past week. And even though Ankaliyev got bumped up a little bit, and again, I think justified, but he's not number one. You know, even if he had beaten Jan, I don't know that I would have really ranked him number one because Yuri still legitimately is the guy. I think I would have been willing to move him to two, though. Right, like if he goes out there and it's a pretty impressive performance, like I would have been willing to bump him up to two. I mean, AK, we've been doing this rankings endeavor for a while now and we've had a few times where being the ufc champion doesn't exactly mean that you end up with number one spot right like i think dustin poirier is a memorable example a lot of us had him at number one at lightweight when he wasn't the champion even right now you look at demetrius johnson he's sort of holding down the throne at flyweight um this though like i said it just feels like they're just throwing darts at the board and now we're having a brand new title fight next month between guys who wasn't even who weren't even involved in this title fight can you remember an instance where a ufc belt has felt like more of a prop than whatever this one will feel like after next month. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy because we, we didn't even have to use the word interim. Like normally when there's interims involved, I'm like, yeah, there's tons of times where it felt like a prop. There's a certain interim title on someone. This was a clean vacation by uh, Yuri Prohachka. Whether people think he should have done it or not, that's up for debate. That's fine. But it was. It's vacant. This was a this was supposedly whoever just, won on saturday jump in and say yeah, it's super please. weird to hear you say vacation like that vac- vacation it, it vacation. literally made me stop like yeah. where's he going is he on a trip somewhere <laughs> oh, where, do you, where do you think oh, yuri he vaca- made- <laughs> takes vacations he, he's a weird guy i oh, feel like he's got definitely some, some spots he definitely oh, goes to okay, japan a thousand percent he goes to like okinawa or he'll, or he'll have plenty Kyoto. of time he'll have plenty of time to travel there i think uh, i guess as it is he's somehow rebuilt. i think I he ends up in antarctica doing some like ice diving ice fishing or something Depends how he reacts. Wrestling a polar bear. That would be nice. That'd be good. Maybe, hey, maybe that'd be good for his shoulder. I don't know. But uh, probably not. Yeah, it's such a. It would it's, not. It would not. It's such a weird situation because we we've never like we've never seen title fights thrown together so quickly on fight night. I think we talked a lot about this uh, after on fight uh, the post fight show. Like, when do you see Dana White like make a fight after? Is that's usually the worst thing Dana White is is uh, at doing? As uh, he'll always say, "Oh, wait till Tuesday. Wait till Tuesday." We have our matchmakers meeting and he's not wrong to do that either. I mean, sometimes we'd like to see him build up, you know, the next logical fight more, but it's true. They're not going to sign contracts, you know, the night of, but this time it made it sound pretty clear that they're like, yeah, this is happening. You know, this is like a verbal agreement. Like obviously Jamal wants to do it. Glover Chair wants to do it. So it's, uh, I, I was, I, I immediately mentioned that on Twitter, of course, that, uh, remember belts are props. And this doesn't mean that like fighters shouldn't be proud to have them that they don't have some sort of inherent value. Certainly they do, but I don't see how anyone can look at this situation with we're about to have again, three, well, we are supposed to have three different world champions, but we, we three title fight, three title fights booked in the span of two events. Uh, and I, I honestly, yeah, I don't know what it would have meant if Ankalaev had won it. Probably the method would have mattered if he had somehow just run through Jan in like a round I think we could have gone as far as say, yeah, he's number one. But I think we nailed this. I think to go with sort of the original question, like, how did we do? I think we nailed this. Like, this order is perfect. For Hachka to share in Nemkov and Goliath, Blachowicz, Anderson. That's your top six. I don't think you can sneak anyone in there. I don't think anyone is is necessarily out of place. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a hit to Corey Anderson because he was like, as high, he got high to get in our rankings. As high as like 
You got as high as number three, I think. Wow. Maybe two or three. It, it was wow. two or three, yeah, and there was wild. a definite talk about him taking the number one spot. <laughs> well, after that was when he, Glover was champion, right? And so yeah, and the, after he like was beating Nimkov and then got the no contest, like there, I distinctly remember us having that conversation. I think Damon actually. I had him, yeah. the, I had him ranked number one. Yeah, I did. I had sure. him ranked number one at one point. Yeah. How, how weird is it that we had two really big light heavyweight title fights? Well, sorry, well, one disappeared, but two big light heavyweight title fights and inconclusively because Nemkov Anderson won. We thought like, oh, this will bring some order to our rankings. It didn't really it just cause more chaos. And that has not changed since. I, I just I can't help but think of all of this as a bummer because like we were so <laughs> excited, right, for the Jiri era. Like that was the start of. of something fresh again it felt like this is this dude's a maniac like we like whatever he was gonna bring to 205 it felt like it might be that element of that we had when the chuck tito rampage vanilla shogun machita like that cool era of the division and now we're just like left with this weird layout where you look at the pieces on the chessboard and nobody's really getting you excited i don't know the whole thing just to, to close out this this whole topic i mean jed which light heavyweight of the pieces that we actually do have on the board right now, do you feel like has the best chance of actually having some sort of extended stay at the top? Because right now this is just being passed around like a hot potato, and I don't know that that's going to change anytime soon. Well, so that's the I think that's the fun part, right? Uh, the year I was excited for Yuri because Yuri's fun, like just. But I did not think he was going to be a long reigning champion because I kind of think it's sort of impossible the way he fights for him to like. For us to realistically think he's going to string together four title defenses, he's a lunatic. Like That's just not how that works, and that's what's compelling and interesting about it. And this sort of tumultuous upheaval is really compelling. The long-reigning champions, those are not compelling. Like, John Jones's title run was, was compelling in some ways because it was something we had kind of never seen before. But it was also like, I mean, we talked we talked about it with Izzy before Pajera and all of the other. It's just like, well, one dude's gonna win, and now it's a question of how he wins. And naturally, over time, long-reigning champions get less exciting. That's just how it works. Fighters start figuring them out. They have to adjust themselves to prioritize retaining the belt, etc. And so the answer to your question, Gene, is it's the same one I would have given you a year ago, probably two years ago, and I still feel even after Saturday. Magomed Ankalaev is the future of this division. It is not going to be fun. Yeah, because I'm not looking forward to fun. that era. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, yeah, he is not a fun <sighs> fighter. He's probably just the best one. I, I felt comfortable moving him to two. I talked beforehand. If he had gone out there and uh, out of respect for Yuri and the fight of the year, quite possibly the greatest fight I've ever seen in my life, uh, I wasn't going to bump him from the top spot unless Magomed did something really, really tremendous. Uh, he did not, so he would have been too, you know, had he won. And even even with losing, I still, I scored that fight for him. I think most people thought he won that fight. Uh, I see no reason to dock him points because whoever, uh, Doug Crosby wasn't on that fight, was he? No, that was the Patty one. Um, Ron McCarthy and somebody else who's also crappy, I think, were on that. Uh, it's just like, I, for them sucking, I don't see any any point. And I also think it's fine to score that fight at draw. He's the best guy in this division. He's still young, and he is... We saw him overcome adversity, and if he rematched Jan, I'd still pick him to win. I'd pick him to beat Glover. I wouldn't pick him to be exciting because that is that's beyond what's going to happen for this man at this point. <laughs> the only way he is not going to be the future is if 
the UFC is so mad at him that they make him jump through several hoops to get back to a title fight, which is apparently possible. And I'm not sure why, because Dana got all hot and bothered about that being a terrible fight. And it was not a bad fight. Like I thought that fight was fine. Uh, it was yeah. like, it wasn't, it wasn't a yeary fight, but no fight is <laughs> a freaking yeary fight. So the first three he, rounds were incredibly compelling. It was super compelling. And then he did what he showed the championship medal and did what he needed to do at the end of it. And cool. Like it, it is what it is. I still think he's the best light heavyweight in the world, probably. Uh, and so he's my pick if to be the guy to bring kind of sustained dominance to this division. I really want to know how much how much Nemkov can move by this time next year. He's already three in our rankings. I guess I don't know if he never. I, I guess without, without leaving Bellator, yeah, he I don't can't. think he can move up unless he, he can do high. some cross promotion fights or the light heavyweight division, like Glover and Jamal Hill go to a no contest, mm-hmm. uh, and then <laughs> then the inevitable Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Smith, Smith versus, versus Ryan Span yeah. light heavyweight title uh-huh. fight uh-huh. Oh, okay. uh, ends in like a a double knockout then maybe Nimkov <laughs> we just move him up to the top <laughs> just like make a sacrifice to the MMA gods but other than that I think he's capped I just to close us out on, on this particular topic like what a weird year Magomed and Kalayev has had right because this is a man who's fought Super three weird. times in 2022 and I think like pretty unanimously everyone who felt very very highly and strongly about this guy at this time last year probably f- is like colder on him this year after fighting three times and not losing any of those three fights like just the excitement and whatever it was around him seems to have dissipated completely uh despite the fact that he like basically won all three of these fights for the most it part it was a horrible year he just was the least <laughs> interesting person this year by like a lot it was like the uh it was like the excitement of tiago uh, santos after he lost a really close decision to john jones and everyone's like man tiago santos really showed something and then he just completely just you know crapped a bet after that and didn't so do anything tiago kept yeah granted he did it with no knees but still we all had high hopes that tiago santos was going to be something and then he just did not do anything after johnny walker's another this light heavyweight man this is the this division you show you show a hint of promise and it will crush your soul i was gonna Listen, say light heavyweight is the women's winning. bantamweight of, of men's divisions well, settle with well, shaheen don't go there this this division <laughs> gave us the best fight of the year so let us God. let us just relax for a second it really did this it division did. did give us the best fight of the year okay. i mean it's, we can say that yeah there's an exception yeah. to every rule i guess uh here we're gonna take a quick break and then we have a lot more we're gonna get into the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible 
eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Second biggest story of this whole cycle was actually someone who I don't even know that it affects anything that we're talking about when it comes to rankings, right? Because this is a ranking show uh, and he may never affect these rankings. And I'm talking about Patty the Batty, Patty Pimblet. Somehow, fellas, by the skin of this man's teeth, he is still an undefeated fighter in the UFC. We're looking at 4-0 now. Uh, but this, this was not the same as some of these past performances. And this kind of felt like we finally reached a point maybe where... We all sort of expected we would get here. We got a little glimpse into his ceiling here at 155. Obviously, the Jared Gordon fight. Damon, did you have any inkling, just even like the slightest tinge, to rank Patty in your top 15 at 155 this month? And if not, where do you rank him? Like, how far down do you got to go? Well, first off, he lost, so I'm definitely not going to rank him. And <laughs> I think this fight with Jared Gordon did one thing for me with patty pimblett i think we've reached the ceiling on patty pimblett because jared gordon's a solid lightweight but jared gordon's not a top 15 lightweight either and he lost that fight and i i wasn't it wasn't close to me i had a 30 27 at worst it should have been 29 28 um patty pimblett's reached his ceiling because he's not going to be the top 15 fighter it's just not going to happen he, he's not going to be i mean fighters who are outside the top 15 in the ufc right now I would pick to annihilate Patty Pimblett. Terrence McKinney would, I mean, it would be a crime to humanity to put him in there with Terrence McKinney. Drew Dober, it would be a crime to humanity to put Hinato Moicano. Uh, go down the list. Are there still winnable fights for Patty Pimblett? Of course there are. There's a lot of fighters in the UFC and a lot of contender series guys that he can tear through uh, because we all know how, you know, Daniel White loves to sign guys at 10 and 10. But Patty Pimblett is not a top 15 fighter. He's not a top 20 fighter. Um, top 30? Maybe? I'd have to really look at my list of 30 lightweights in the UFC because it's a pretty deep division. But no, he's not a top 15 fighter. I don't think he'll ever be a top 15 fighter. And I think if you put him in there with anybody, and the, the only guy in the top 15 that like would make me really do sad to don't see him it. fight right now. Don't do it. I know I'm doing don't it. Don't say it, It's Tony Ferguson. It. It's, Tony, it's Tony Ferguson because Tony... Tony's just at the Tony's at the end of his career right now. Let's be honest. He is. And and I'm not saying he'd beat Tony Ferguson by any stretch. I'm just saying like, because Tony is so at the end of his career, that like maybe he somehow gets like a, another Doug Crosby esque decision, but 
Yeah, he ain't beating anybody else. Anybody else is even close to that top fifteen. He is not beating. Uh, no, Patty Pimblett is a is a is a fun guy who gets a lot of social media buzz, who gets paid a lot of money by Barstool Sports, who says weird things and calls people sausages. But he is not going to be a top fifteen lightweight. He is in one of the deepest divisions in the sport. He is getting, he is not sniffing. The closest he's going to get is hoping he shares a locker room with the top 15 fighter. Damon Martin, my favorite member of the MMA fighting team. Let's, we need the baddie for Zelka Kui. I love it. I, love I it. am oh genuinely God. compelled by that fight. I was right? forever ago. I still am. I, I hate and every aspect of this I just want to see how washed Tony is. And that's mm-hmm. such a good barometer <laughs> For how cooked are you? It's stick a patty in you. Are you done? Like it is, and that's how we figure it out. Like I, honestly, I would love that fight. It will never get made, but I would. That would be a patty fight that I would actively be really interested in. Shaheen, on a scale of one to ten, how mortified would you be if, in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty three, coming up, Four Patty Pimble beat? I would, be, I would not I would I would not be able to work that event because I would be so bummed out at the inevitable result that I would get from it. Like I could not he watch that fight. Tony he might lose. St- Honestly, and, I, and you're talking a about a man who doesn't did. believe in Tony at all. And Tony might win that one. Like that is a winnable fight for Tony. And that's that's why I said like that's the one I might caution myself to not pick against him. Like Patty has a chance in that one, but that's it. Like there is no one else. Well, Even nearby that top 15 well, that I think he beats. Michael Chandler does suck. <laughs> the other side of that, though, is if that fight did end up happening, Patty wins it. At that point, Patty, you're a top 15 fighter. Good, have that's, fun against Demiris Magulov. the best. <laughs> Jalen Turner and everybody else you want. Grant Dawson, whoever you want to throw in there. You're not going to have a good Saruki, time with it. Yeah, throw him yeah. in there with Saruki and see how well that goes for him. Um, so we only go to 15, obviously, on our rankings. I agree, Damon. 155 is so deep. Patty is very far away from 15 right now to me. I doubt that he's ever going to get there, just like you do. Um, if you look at our friends at Tapology, though, Jed, they do a really good job with this stuff. They go way deeper than 15. Just wild guess. I hope you haven't looked at this. Where do you think Tapology has Patty on the lightweight ranks? Oh, I looked at it before we filmed, so I actually know the answer to this. So Can I guess? Maybe, I haven't looked. Maybe AK, ask somebody else. AK, I, know, I, know I, was at, I was about to look at Fight Matrix, but I have not looked at. Uh, I have not looked at. Well, I have no idea what Fight Matrix has him at. I'll, I'll I'll read that after. Uh, well, if it, if they're like my rankings, they might have Patty Pimblett in the top twenty-five. Where do you have him? Now I'm curious. They might have him at number twenty-four. Wow. Good guess, they AK. In, they do, in fact, have him in the top 25. Mm-hmm. They have him at exactly 25. Wow. So right underneath the likes of Brad Riddell, Marco Madsen, those are two guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And then here's some sampling of some names below Patty Pimblett. Usman Nurmagomedov, Madoff, Clay Guida, <gasps> Nazrat Haparas, <laughs> Terrence McKinney. So those are just a few names who are below Patty. Uh, AK, do you think that's right? You give him higher or lower? Where where you go? So the problem is by MMA math, because I think pretty highly of Jared Gordon, he has to take Jared Gordon's number or you bump Jared Gordon down a lot for losing to Patty, which I don't think again, or we don't even think he lost to Patty necessarily. So depending how you do your rankings, you might not have put him above Jared Gordon. I did. I thought like even though I did call it a robbery in the official MMA fighting robbery review, uh, I I respect. Great call. Thank I know you. I know I, you don't I, hand those out willy nilly yeah, and you don't no. hand those out often, so I very, very much rare. appreciate 
but regardless i did uh respect the official decision as it as it was so put him just above just above jared gordon principal i don't always do that especially if it's a robbery but this one i was like it's 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 a bad call but uh you know i'm I'm fine with with putting him a one spot above jared gordon Gordon. i should have dropped jared i should have no i said i was gonna put him one spot above jared gordon and i should have dropped jared gordon in theory but then again because the fight was pretty competitive i thought jared gordon did fine it feels unfair to punish him for taking this loss so i was just like okay the simple solution mma math patty takes his spot um because Jared had some good wins. I mean, I thought uh, Leonardo Santos, yeah, one foot out the door, but I thought that was a pretty solid win. So, you know, I have to. Yeah, I think so. Right. So then I that can kept I, him in the I, top 25 for me. Yeah, go ahead, Damon. Can I ask, Sheen, you said, can you tell me the three people behind Patty in those rankings right now? So name them again for me. I have a Claudio Puez, uh, Terrence McKinney and Jared Gordon. Would you pick? OK, take out Jared Gordon. Would, sure would you pick, pick Jared Claudio? Gordon? <laughs> Would you pick would you pick Claudia Puyas or or Terrence McKinney to lose to Patty Pimblett? No. Puyas, maybe. I would I would pick both of them to win. I do believe that Patty can win those fights. I think Terrence McKinney destroys Patty Pimblett. I think that I fight lasts. I think that's the most minutes. likely outcome. But if Terrence McKinney doesn't destroy him, he will be dead at, at the five minute mark. And Patty for his many flaws. He Homer Simpson basically. Yeah. yeah. Patty for his many <laughs> look, Clay Guida did it, you know, in last year or earlier this year, whenever the hell that stupid one was before this most recent one. Patty's got a lot of faults. Dude's tough. I could see him surviving round one and then Terrence McKinney has nothing left to offer. <laughs> these are these are some names in Patty's orbit that I actually think he could like potentially beat. Um Vince Pachel, I think. And Vince is pretty good is, is good. I just think Patty could beat him. Similar. Uh, Clay Guida? I, I would pick Patty to be Clay, Clay Guida. I, I truly believe Clay Guida is the actual fight to make for yeah. Patty. We could say that on the post-fight yeah. show. Like Ever that. since, yeah, like that's that. all I've thought about. That's it's, the fight. Realistically, the fight is Conor McGregor, but I do <laughs> yeah. have some concerns that the frequency with which Jared Gordon landed a left hook means Patty might get decapitated if he fought Conor McGregor, <laughs> but... I still think that's the fight to make, but if they're not and they're still trying to build him, Clay Guida's the one. He would uh, beat Clay Guida. My best friend, Mike Heck, I'm, I'm getting way up in the rankings now because this was suggested on onto the next one, did not hate this suggestion. Uh, we don't think this fight's happening because I think this guy is going to get the fight he wants. One of your favorite fighters, Jed, um, Michael Chandler. I hated it when no I saw way. it. No, I think Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler does suck. Patty Pimblett. Michael but Chandler Mike would was destroy saying, like, Patty. Yes, but, but, but you're Mike was saying that he sucks. Shane, <laughs> not so. just that. Mike was saying the UFC version of Chandler is a little bit like reckless and kind of wacky. Like if it was the if it was the Bellator, I'm I'm just in it to win it every time version of Chandler destroys Patty. Destroys Patty nine nine times out of hundred. But this kind of this version of Chandler, who's like, oh, I'm just in there to have fun and put on fun fights and put on exciting fights. Like you do feel like something stupid might happen. Um, I would in I would never bet against Chandler in that fight, but I kind of see why people think that would be a fun one. I guess no, yeah, no. Be, no, no, no. Michael no. Chandler just people think that's Michael a fun Chandler one because lo- they want to see Patty get hurt. That's the answer, uh, possibly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, there Michael are a lot Chandler. Of Michael in my Chandler this weekend. <laughs> you can you can say a lot about Michael Chandler's UFC run, and you can sit here and I've criticized him and said like his zero strategy is coming back to bite him because he's going out there to have fun instead of actually going out there to win. Um, but. He did have moments with Justin Gaethje. He did have moments with Dustin Poirier. 
neither of those guys would Patty Pimblett would last as long as either one of those guys allowed him to stay in there with them. Dustin Poirier and, and Justin Gaethje would walk through Patty Pimblett. Michael Chandler for all his faults still hits like a truck and Patty Pimblett judging by his performances past weekend has zero striking defense literally cannot block a punch except with he has his a huge head. chin though did, he Michael, did you chin. see any of the punches getting past his head damon <laughs> Doing great michael there. chandler if michael chandler hits patty pimblett with one of his punches his head will be they'll find his head in liverpool somewhere okay that's say, how pa- badly he patty does up. have a really good chin though that is undeniable. Yeah, he gets, he gets, sure. he's got, he gets hit a lot in his fights. He actually has a oh, really, really yeah, good chin. Everyone, Roy Nelson had a good chin as well, once sure. upon a time too. What happened when he fought Mark Hunt? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Eventually, mm-hmm. your chin will get cracked if, if that's yeah. your best defense. Is you can take a punch. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I want to tie one little thing on because I, I I don't like to lie to the viewers. I did say I'd mention Fight Matrix. Uh, Patty is not ranked on FightMatrix.com. Uh, not very, 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 very math based uh, ranking system here. So uh, they have some pretty deep cuts in there too. a lot of guys from outside the UFC. So pretty, pretty nice list. So I would tell people to check out that list. But I don't I would imagine they only go up to 25. I would imagine Patty's not anywhere near uh, the top of their 25. But I could be wrong. He could be like hanging on the edge. He's but I don't, like I don't 35 think 35 so. or something. Maybe 35 ish. Yeah, probably outside of the, their I think top he's 30. Probably 35, yeah. like somewhere sure. in 35 ish on fight matrix. Probably. Yeah. Well, shifting gears a bit, uh, let's talk about somebody who actually is affecting our rankings because their biggest rise and fall of the whole month actually came courtesy of the women's pound for pound ranks because you had Kayla Harrison out there and she plummeted out of it. I think she was in the top nine. She dropped from nine all the way to 15. And really, she was just a sliver away from getting to 16. I think it was a one point difference between her and 16. Uh, And of course, on the other side of that is the woman for whom Third time was the charm. Larissa Pacheco. She vaults all the way up from 12 after being unranked. Jed, I'll go to you first, man. I mean, surprise, not surprised, overreaction, underreaction. Does all of this make sense? Like, where where are you at with where we landed with these two? Uh, No, this is exactly what I expected when this happened. It's, you can't not, Kayla Harrison, it's just a weird thing. Her whole situation is very odd. The eyes and the dominance mean we have to give her credit as one of the top, you know, 20 pound for pound fighters in the sport. Even if I can't imagine what something like Fight Matrix like has as far as the women pound for pound rankings, just because there can't be a good math product to be like, yes, she's very good. She's beaten nobody except for now Pacheco. But Pacheco is only somebody realistically because Pacheco then beat her. And it's just, it, it's just a hard, weird thing. You know that she's really good. She just doesn't have anybody to compete against. And now she's finally took an L, which really sets her back all the way. Uh, it's, I think I was the highest on her before this loss. I think I had her like three, uh, something very, very high. And I dropped her way the hell down. Cause I couldn't be like, well, I can put Larissa Pacheco at three and we can just make this work. <laughs> it just didn't feel right. I settled on putting her at like 10, which still feels kind of right to me. Like you want to have her lower. You want to have her not ranked. My only quibble with having her not ranked is um, you're starting to really put some, some bodies in your top 20 rankings, given that Bantamweight, as we just established earlier in the show is very close to a fake division. (laughs) Featherweight, obviously not a real division either. So I, I truly don't know what to do with her. Like, I think Larissa Pacheco is good and she looked really good. And so I felt comfortable moving her up and into kind of a top 10 position. I could be all the way wrong. I have no level of confidence on this. So it's, 
if somebody else feels more strongly convinced me and I'll make a move, but I don't know, somewhere in the middle seemed about right. It's a tough one, man. I mean, it's really, it, it, and it had me thinking just generally because I, I feel like we've seen situations like this, right? Like Damon, do you, do you feel like, do you think there is an element almost that comes in these situations of waiting for someone to fail? to a certain degree with these types of figures the, the fighters who aren't in the UFC who are over there feasting on like overmatched competition and for maybe for whom the, the mystery of what they could be sort of eclipses the actual facts when you put resumes in front of our eyes. Like, is there an element of just all of us waiting to fail to, when it comes to the ranking element of this? hundred percent. And, and I'm guilty of it with Kayla Harrison. Listen, I still think Kayla is an incredibly good fighter, but I was ranking her based on potential more than reality. I mean, she hadn't beaten top competition, but when I looked at Kayla Harrison, the eye test told me she was really, really freaking good. Now, I don't think she's suddenly terrible. I'm not going to overreact and say she's not good anymore, but um, Pacheco beating her the way she did and Pacheco largely dominating the rounds that she won really showed me that maybe Kayla had some holes in her game that we had just hadn't seen exposed before. And so, yeah, we're all guilty. I mean, I think to a large extent, we could even argue that for Chris Cyborg for a huge part of her career. I mean, after she beat Gina Carano, you know, whatever that was like 13 years ago, like she was fighting nobody, but she was so dominant doing it. it was so hard not to rank her. And we had to wait until she got into the UFC to really see her challenged and, you know, going to a decision and, and actually getting beaten by Amanda Nunes. We're like, oh, wow, okay, maybe there's competition out there that she wasn't quite ready for, that she's not as good as. And I still think Chris Cyborg's an incredibly good fighter, but very similar situation. And because also Kayla, I think what also hurts this situation or what makes this one harder to rank is that, as I said earlier, Kayla fights in a weight class that doesn't exist. She fights at either featherweight or lightweight in women's. There's no women's lightweight division. There's really not a women's featherweight division. So it's harder to gauge how good or bad she is because we don't really have a, a metric. We don't have a measuring stick. Unlike even as bad as Bantamweight is, at least we have a few established people like Holly Holm, like Ketlin Vieira, of course, like Amanda Nunez or Juliana Pena, where we can say, okay, we kind of know how good you are based on a, a larger, you know, a larger pool of, of, of a resume. We can't say that with featherweight and lightweight. So cyborg and, and Kayla Harrison to a large extent are very similar because we just don't know. And then when they lose, you know, we're kind of like, well, here we go because we don't know what, what else is out there. And Kayla's going to say, well, Kayla, what is Kayla going to do now? Kayla's going to rematch Larissa Pacheco. Maybe she wins. She's three and one against Pacheco. Does that really tell us how good Kayla Harrison is? She beats Aspen Ladd. Does that really tell us how good Kayla Harrison is? She's in an impossibly tough situation. AK, I see you're shaking your head over there. I mean, I was shaking my head. This. I was nodding. There was some things I was shaking my head. Some things I was nodding my head, Shaheen. Uh, I, 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 I'm, when, when Damon mentioned Cyborg, I had to chime in with a big yup because I was a big detractor of Cyborg's career for a long time. She seems she seems like a nice person. Her fights were super exciting. I like I like the mystique around her, but I was always like, man, her like again, featherweight is not plus, but maybe more so than light women's lightweight. That's fine, but it's just not a great division. I think people if they go up and down her record, there's some good names in there, some people I really respect, but fighters who again aren't necessarily 145ers. Um, over time, I, I grew to respect her, especially since it's MMA. I don't care who you're fighting. If you're fighting at a relatively decent level and you're winning fights for like a decade, 
you're probably a pretty good fighter. So, you know, not my favorite like resume uh, for a fighter to have, but eventually she had to get her flowers. But I was very skeptical and I felt the same thing with, with Kayla Harrison, uh, who I never ranked highly. Um, I had her 16 going into the third Pacheco fight and now I've dropped her down to 18. So she never even cracked my top 15. Uh, I just wasn't convinced. Again, if she, like Cyborg, she probably eventually would have climbed up if she went undefeated for four years, five years, six years. She would have to really climb up the hard way or unless she dropped down a featherweight or if somehow lightweight got a bunch of new blood. So um, I didn't feel like vindicated or anything when she lost to Pacheco. Like it, well, it wasn't that kind of because I, I, I think most of us here have spoken to Kayla. She's she's a really nice lady. It's nothing. It's nothing personal against her at all. And she certainly is a talented fighter. But definitely, I didn't think um, the quality of opposition was in her favor as far as ranking her, as far as <clears throat> judging her her true abilities. So it, it was very much out of her power. Like Damon said, it's a difficult situation for her. She can only fight who she fights. Uh, but yeah, I was you know when Pacheco beat her, I was like, okay, this kind of this makes sense to me. It's not that shocking. Beating someone three times is actually really difficult. Um, Especially when it is a talented fighter like Pacheco, so uh, yeah, I, I I'm not happy to see you know Harrison fall down the rankings, but I feel like in a way this is just kind of has corrected itself. And and by the way, I do want to say, um, Jed, earlier you said I, you wish PFL had made a women's bantamweight division. I I love it not just for the talent they could bring. I I want Pacheco to drop back down to 135. Because how happy would we be? Like if she won a PFL tournament, just like ran through like, you know, two and zero in the season, ran through the tournament. I honestly would make her like the number two ranked like women's band. I would happily like put her above Juliana Pena, Easily. like with with glee. I would do this. Right? How exciting. <laughs> how no fun would that be? Put there. I'm, I'm tempted to do it anyway, because she really is like she's not like she could. I think she could make 135. No problem. Again, we'd have to see it, I guess. But I think she kind of is a bantamweight. I almost want to put I her in the bantamweight could, rankings. She's. We, when I spoke with her earlier this year, she is not a small person. <laughs> she she's gotten big. I think if you look at her compared to previous seasons, she has put on. Up. She has clearly put on some some muscle yes. to to do the lightweight thing. Yes, uh, obviously she can make one forty five. No issue. I suspect she could still get down to one thirty five, but. Mm -hmm. I would like to see it before just going full rogue and just okay, making okay. her the number two band way in the world. PFL women's 135 next season. Let's do this. Come on. <laughs> I can just hear the excitement from here. Last word on this. When it comes to Kayla Harrison, I mean, she was number nine before this. I think it's probably going to be a long road back to that sort of spot, even if she does beat Larissa Pacheco, right? Like this is just, we have now seen her lose that aura of invincibility is not here anymore question for you fellas yes or no is this the peak like is that the peak is kayla harrison ever going to be a top nine pound for pound fighter for the women's ranks for us again yes or no jed i'll say yes i'm like 50 50 on it I, I do think if she goes and beats pacheco in the rematch i won't have any issue moving her back up uh pretty highly because we know MMA is MMA like we we all did it for Amanda Nunes and I know that the circumstances are not entirely the same but we all agreed to essentially say look sometimes MMA happens and she came back and she dominated Juliana Pena she's clearly the better of these two fighters losses happen it, it did dock her the loss ended up affirmatively putting Shevchenko at number one and Nunes did not reclaim that spot and so maybe I won't have Harrison as high as I previously did but I think she can still move up pretty highly if she goes and it's like yeah 
a, it was a thing. It's not a fluke in that, you know, it wasn't an accident happened, but it's not the reality of how this matchup goes or who I am as a fighter. And she comes and shows that that's cool. I have no idea if she can though. I have real concerns about what I saw from her. Damon mentioned it. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see which, how she rebounds from this, how she looks a lot of times talk about fighters, talk about losses being the thing that defines their career and makes them become, you know, great. Maybe this is her, maybe it's not, we're going to find out. And so I'm, I'm going to side with the upside and say, yes, she can go higher. Damon, Kayla Harrison ever get the top nine again? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes, because I think she can beat Pacheco in a, in a fight. She's already done it twice before. And then just a winning streak because again, unless she fights cyborg, which I don't think she's ever going to fight cyborg. Cause I don't think cyborg has any interest in fighting Kale Harrison. She can go through and win 10 more in a row. And just by default of how, you know, win streaks go and divisions go, she can make a climb back up. Will she ever get really high? Not without fighting better competition. She's going to have to fight cyborg. She's going to fight Amanda Nunes. And I don't think that's going to happen. Cause I think her, her value or stock went down dramatically in terms of negotiating power when she becomes a free agent again. I don't think the UFC was ever going to pay her a huge amount of money to come over and fight in a division that doesn't exist where they already have Amanda Nunes fighting in a division that doesn't exist. So um, can she get there again? Yes, but it's mostly by default because if she beats Pacheco again, who else is she going to fight? And who else has a legitimate chance of beating her? Um in that division that doesn't exist. So yeah, she could rattle off 10 more in a row and by default, she might get in that top 10 again. What do you think? AK? Yeah. Default's the right word. Uh, I'll go as far as I'll go beyond could. I am saying she will, she will make the top nine again. I'm the Prince of positivity, right? She will make the top nine again. Default is the perfect word, Damon. Um, not just because like you said, uh, who's going to fight her at one, two, five that, that she can't beat besides Pacheco. Uh, I think she's just going to outlast some of these names. Like if we let's say let's say she she continues competing regularly for the next two years, I think some of these names are eventually going to drop. Uh, so Amanda Nunes, I think is gonna I think she's gonna outlast Amanda Nunes even if they never fight. I'm saying like Amanda Nunes will retire. Uh, Chris Cyborg, Carla Sparza, these are all names that are ahead of her in our rankings. Uh, Carla Sparza, Liz Carmouche, and uh, Holly Holm. So that's like five names that are ahead of her in the rankings. If she just keeps fighting, she's the names are probably just gonna retire and get out of her way. So yeah, I think she pretty pretty is not easily she has to keep winning as damon said like 10 like 10 wins in a row just going on another dominant streak uh but she's more than capable of doing it so yeah she'll she she'll she'll make the top nine again and man maybe could even go go higher i don't know man i don't know i i have a i i, I feel like i need to zag where you guys are zigging because i just don't know at this point i mean she's 32 years old she's made a lot of money she's made more money than almost everyone else in the in the women's pound for pound ranks for the most part and after this season, I mean, she's just not going to do the PFL season stuff anymore, right? So she's going to then do these one-off fights. And, and as we said, who knows if the UFC is really going to pony up for him next time she's free agent. I just don't know how much longer she's going to be in this to really be able to work back and get that type of opposition, like Damon said, to, to make that move up. So he, here's how it happens, Shaheen. And I think you'll even have to agree with this. She comes, she beats Pacheco, she fights Julia Budd or Aspen Ladd. Cool. Those wins are whatever. If the Cyborg fight happens, I still am picking her to beat Chris Cyborg. I might be wrong, but if the Cyborg fight happens end of next year or early 2024, Cyborg, who is currently number four in our pound-for-pound rankings, she goes and you know beats Pacheco, gets another win, finally gets to fight Cyborg. 
she is going to be top five if she beats Chris Cyborg. Yeah. And I think that that is very possible. I just don't, like, I agree with Damon. I don't think that fight ever happens. Nope. I think Chris don't has no interest in, in making that happen. Oh, Chris certainly And to be fair, interest. And, and I've said this, I've said this on my show before, and I'll be honest, I don't think Chris has any reason to fight Kayla Harrison. What does she gain at this point in her career? Like, she's doing the boxing thing. She's going to go out there and fight Kat Zingano. I mean, Chris is, Chris is tailing towards the end of her career. She gets nothing from fighting Kayla Harrison, honestly. Like, she's not. It would be a fun fight as opposed to the last four years of her career. No. Just yeah, been she, unwatchable, she, terrible. She's garbage. doing the boxing thing now. She clearly wants a Katie Taylor, like big payday. There's genuinely one fight in all of MMA that would do anything to help Chris Cyborg's legacy whatsoever. And that's the Amanda News fight. And, and she's just not going to get that anytime soon. Yeah. So Ronda yeah, Rousey. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird situation. How about her versus Harrison in boxing? Social gloves, seven main event. <laughs> oh my God. I would pick cyborg in that. I got to say, I would, I, would I, would pick, I, would, I would pick Chris cyborg in that also. <laughs> All right. um, well, let's move on fellas. We've gone long already. The last thing we have for you guys here today, uh, you know, Jed, you're a betting man. You've been known to dabble a bit. Love, love to wager recklessly and foolishly. Huge kinda, fan of it. You've kind of indoctrinated AK into this dark, seedy world of yours a little bit, too. He, Not he anymore. Thanks, Ontario. Yeah, Canada <laughs> ruined all of my good work. Uh, thanks, James Canada Krause. And James thanks, Krause. James Krause. Derek Minner. <laughs> but so, fellas, this is a little something AK has cooked up for us. We're going to do a little future wagering here today. Uh, if everything was riding on it, we're going to throw out some names and you're going to just tell me who you think is going to have the better run from this point on. So just who's has the, the brighter future ahead, however you want to frame that. Uh, and so we just have three different, three different little questions we're going to throw out here. And let's start here uh, with a gentleman who just fought this past weekend. I don't know if you know, but he is the youngest UFC fighter of all time. He's also the youngest heard that. fighter to win a UFC fight. Uh, 18-year-old really? Raul Rosas Jr., which is, by the way, you are mandatorily required to call him 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. That's how this goes. Uh, for, or him, 1-0 in the UFC, or Bo Nickel, who right now seemingly the best prospect in all of MMA. You have both of these gentlemen. One has a lot more ahead of him than the other, most likely. If you have to put a future bet on one of these two, AK, who are you taking? It's just like who has a better career, I guess. However, you however we judge, not necessarily who makes more money or who's going to win more championships. Just just who has a better career overall. However, this is, is your game, AK. Okay. However, however you wanted to frame it. I was try, I was trying to sound like it wasn't my game, but it was. I, I I'm gonna go maybe I get recency bias. We just saw the man perform. I will oh go with the young. Oh my God, you're not about to do, <laughs> do this, it, AK. Raul Rosas <laughs> Jr. I also just wanted to show. My excellent pronunciation of the young man's the, name. The rolling of the R's was just peak. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I Listen, Bantamweight is super deep. I get it. I get it. The path for Bo Nickel to win a title. I mean, <laughs> theoretically, theoretically, Bo two, Nickel could two win a... other panelists have their head in their hands let, right now. Let, 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 let them. Let them. Theoretically, Bo Nickel could walk into the octagon tomorrow and fight Alex uh, Pereira and beat him. I, I understand this. I understand this. But I also don't know if, like, I think Bo Nickel... He'll, he'll have a great career. I have a feeling he won't fight for that long. I think because I think when you like, he'll get to the top pretty quickly. I don't think he'll fight for long. I think with Rosas, I think um, I have a feeling for better, for worse. He's a young man who's getting into the game very early. I think we're going to see him around for a long time. Now, does that run include a 
uh, bantamweight title. I'm not sure. It's way too, way too early to tell. He just beat Jay Perrin, who is a warm body, uh, experienced guy, but someone that uh, Rosas was set up to beat. And it's fine. He took care of business. That's exactly what you want to see in a, in a UFC debut like that. Um, but I do think, I, I think he has the mentality. I think he has the skills from what we've seen. He's going to grow. He, he's going to grow into a featherweight. So we're not, we're not even talking about bantamweight, we're talking about featherweight, which is also a very deep division. Um, but I think he could have a really, really long, lucrative career. Uh, and even without winning a UFC title, we could be saying that he's, has a better career than Bo Nickel. Just just through longevity, just through the kind of fights he might end up having. Because again, I, I think Bo Nickel, even if he wins a title within his first two years of the UFC, I, I don't know. He just seems like he would he would win, and then he's like, okay, well, I've you know I've achieved this. I'm not going to stick around, get my brain busted open. So that's I'm giving points points for longevity to the young man if he if he fights for like 10, 12 years in the UFC. I think my head might pop off here in a second. <laughs> Even, do you mind if even I do you mind if you, do you mind if I do you mind if I jump in here? Do you mind if I jump in here? Is that okay? Go for Bring it. Kevin. Okay. So first off, let me say, AK, I love you mm-hmm. like a brother. Thank you. But you are so incredibly wrong oh. that I feel like I need to drive to Canada and like hit you upside the head. That's a good um, nasty turn. That's a good nasty uh, turn. This, he says. Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel is the right answer and the only answer for any number of reasons. But let me just start here with Raul Rosas Jr. And I, I, I like the kid. I don't know him, but he, he's a fun kid to watch. And, you know, I, I appreciate this. Did you see the list they put out on Saturday night with the youngest fighters ever? And they had him. No, it was like Sage Northcutt. Because awesome. it has Dan to be Lowe's bad. On, and, like, every <laughs> oh, fighter on the list group? with – Chase Hooper? Every fighter on the list, with the exception of Vitor Belfort, who fought when he was 19, flamed out hard after getting to UFC. You do fighting at 18 typically, unless you're like one of the Lee children over in one championship, rarely works out for you. Okay. Anyone who starts fighting at like 16, 17, 18 generally flames out and has a really bad run because it is really, really hard to go through a fighting career and start that young. Most successful fighters do not start at 16, 17, 18 years old. Has it been done? Yes. Very rare. And especially in this level, when you start fighting the UFC at 18, 19 years old, they generally flame out badly after a couple of years. Okay. You don't give them time to develop because you keep winning. You're going to fight better competition. It happened really early to Sage Northcutt. It happened to Dan Lozon. It happened to a lot of people when you start fighting 18, 19 in the UFC. That on top of all that, that's not even talking about the actual right answer, which is Bo Nickel, who is a freaking multi-time NCAA champion wrestler. He has a far better pedigree than Raul Rosas Jr. I'm sorry, Raul Rosas Jr. You do not have the pedigree of Bo Nickel, who is a freaking stud at Penn State, the the best wrestling program. Shots to Iron AF, whatever the amateur (laughs) amateur thing is. Sorry for you guys, but you're not the Penn State wrestling room is far better than anything that Real Roses Jr. has seen in his entire mixed in his entire martial arts career. Uh, Bo Nickel is a monster, and I listen. I took a lot of flack when I said that Bo Nickel would beat Israel Adesanya. I understand why I took a lot of flack for that, 
But the reality is, is we can look at the top 15 in the in the middleweight division right now, and I guarantee you there are fights. This entire panel would pick Bo Nickel to be favored in, okay? Some fight. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying there's at least one fight in the top 15 of the middleweight division right now that Bo Nickel would be favored to win in right now. We don't know what rule Roses is going to be. He's 1-0 over a guy who is 0-2 in the UFC. We don't know. Bo Nickel, I, unless there's like a, a, like a, a you know, just an absolute disaster Bo Nickel is going to be a title contender in 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 some shame form or fashion in his UFC career and I believe he'll be a champion uh Ro Roses is 18 Ro Roses I have no idea what this kid's gonna be I've no he may not be in the UFC in a year from now that's how the Chase Hooper remember when Chase Hooper everyone was so high on Chase Hooper oh my god Chase Hooper so fun what happened last time Chase Hooper went out there and fought he got his head knocked in the middle of the third row okay slow down on crowning any 18 year old kid as being the future of the sport bo nickel is the answer he's the only answer and i'm just i'm just i'm sickened that i even have to say that damon i just love that you're we we the hypothetical there's at least one fight in the middleweight division that everyone here would pick and it's like yeah the champion the champ. we would all pick bo nickel to be the champion <laughs> well and i guess darren till is probably still you know Topish ranked, and I assume we'd all pick him to Darren Till to lose as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to to pile on here. Damon really outlined it all. My big point was just going to be the UFC is really, really bad at developing prospects. Like it's they're yes. super, super bad at it. As Damon pointed out, with that the the fun thing about Vitor, he was nineteen forty years ago. So <laughs> not the same ownership, you know, not the same, not the same coming into the game. Fighters were a lot less good, and like also a lot of a lot of chemicals running through the uh, the blood of that nineteen-year-old back in the day. Yeah, those hands were so fast. Uh, you know, it's I have tried really pointedly not to crap on the eighteen-year-old child because he's an eighteen-year-old child, and we don't know what he's going to be. But I. He at this point, even like if you take his age out of it and we're just like, what's he as a prospect? He has does not strike me as like a super impressive bantamweight prospect. I think featherweight is certainly his future. Uh, and then when you factor into the age, a lot of people extrapolate that out in like a really positive way. Progression in this, especially in this sport, super not linear. Literally, the entire history of the sport has just proved it's not, oh, we'll give that guy six months sprawl training and he'll be great. Like people develop in different rates, different times, different speeds. I have no confidence in Raul Rosas Jr. to be good in two years, in five years. He also is 18, so he might wake up tomorrow and be like, I don't really want to fight. I'd like to be a carpenter or whatever he wants to do. Like it, any of that could happen. And while you AK point out, and I, I don't even necessarily agree with you or disagree with you, the Bo Nickel might not fight that long where you really and truly lost me was when you said, sure, maybe Bo Nickel, you know, fights for the belt, wins the belt and then retires two years later. Whereas Raul Rosas Jr. Stays in for 15 years. It, that's it. If you win the belt, your career is better unless the other guy is in longer and wins the belt. Like, I don't give two craps that Clay Guida has been fighting in the UFC for 27 years. He is not, does not have a better career than Habib. That is just what not. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has a better career than Clay Guida. <laughs> what about I feel really Donald, Donald Cerrone? That. 
Nate Diaz. I mean, compared to Brock, like Dale Cerrone, Nate Diaz. I, I still think both of them do not have as good a career because they didn't win the belt. And they made Brock less money. Brock even has a defense of the belt, by the, by the way. It's very Did good defense over a very oh, quality the opponent. The Shane what? Carwin. Shane Carwin, Just the Shane yeah. Carwin, yeah. I thought he defended yeah. it twice. No, super, no like, he beat Frank Mir, which was a unification, right? I thought that he won the belt against No, no he, he won he, against he won, Randy. He won against Randy. He did, yeah. so you're right. He so has unification. two title he has defenses. Two defenses. And he made a lot of money. <sighs> Boom. Yeah, like it's... If there is a way you could skew it where if like if Alex Pereira retired literally tomorrow, then maybe I take Donald Cerrone's career over Alex Pereira. <laughs> I have to think about it. I'm not like lock certain, so yeah, no. Bonin. Belts or props? It's the only answer. Belts or props? What I does agree. that even mean? What I does agree. that even mean? Screw the belt. But we all universally recognized him as the best guy in the division because the rankings will show that Bo Nickel will be number one. And I'm not sure Raul Rosas Jr. will ever even be ranked. <sighs> this is coming from, by the way, I was going to say, this is coming from the same people who've been telling me Mohamed Makayev is going to be a two-division champion. Aaron Blanchfield's for sure going to fight... I, I, but I, don't I, know how that, I don't know how I those correlate. No, I'm just saying you, to be we, very true. Oh, I agree. No, but I'm just saying we, I, I, it has been thrown in my face that like when I have said the same thing, like, oh, this person's 20 <laughs> years old. This person's 19 years old. We don't even know if they're going on to fight MMA tomorrow. <laughs> I have brought this up before. And now you're using my own logic against me. How dare yeah. you, Jed Mishu? How dare you? I also think both of those fighters are way better. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. answer the answer is Bo Nickel. He's he's good. Jane, why did you let me create this question? Your, this is your game. I'm just, <laughs> why did you let me do this? You, you, you let me walk it. You could have told me in our to own fair, one on one conversation. Your, this is not your a, other choice. Your other ones. Your other questions in this game are way more compelling. Yeah, than I stand this by one. this one. So let's move on to the second one, which to me is a much more interesting debate. We're moving to the heavyweight division. The man who just got one of the biggest wins sort of of the of, of the cycle, as we said, Sergey Pavlovich, 5-0 in the UFC since his debut loss to Alistair Overham. He is now number four in the world. Who's going to have a better future, him or Curtis Blades, the forgotten man in this division, 12-3 in the UFC. His only losses is to the champ and Derek Lewis. He's number three in the world. Damon, if you had to put your money on one of these two gentlemen, who's having the better run from this moment on? It kind of, in a way, it breaks my heart to say this because you will not meet a bigger Curtis Blades fan than, than myself. I love Curtis. I absolutely adore that guy. And I think he, not only is he an incredibly nice dude, he's a super badass fighter. And I love wrestlers. I think that's been made, you know, abundantly clear. He is the best wrestler in this division. But I got to go with Sergey because Sergey has the kind of fight changing power that can knock anybody out. And he's actually a pretty skilled guy on top of that. Like when you watch the fight with Tai Tuivasa, Tuivasa does what Tuivasa does. He leaned back and started winging big punches. And that's what caught Derek Lewis. That's what caught Cyril gone. When Cyril gone got a little overconfident, Tai Tuivasa nearly had him, he had him hurt in that fight. Sergey actually like stopped throwing for a minute, let Ty kind of go crazy. And then he went back in for more. Now I know the fight lasted, you know, 54 seconds, but if you watch it, Sergey actually showed some smarts. He didn't just let, Tie to Ivasa tee off on him like Ty has done to so many other people. Um, Sergey has one punch knockout power, and let's be honest, this is a one punch knockout power division. Um, also, working against Curtis, Francis Ngannou is the champion, and he has two lopsided wins over Curtis Blade, so that also hurts him a lot. He's not going to get a third fight with Francis unless there's literally just no other options out there for Francis Ngannou. Um, and a guy like John Jones. 
I think Curtis Blades has an interesting style for a guy like John Jones as a wrestler, but to beat a John Jones, I think, you know, the biggest thing that John Jones is going to face at heavyweight is the guys with that one punch knockout power. That's why I think Francis Ngannou could potentially beat him. That's why Sergey Pavlich could potentially beat a John Jones because it only takes one, one glancing wrong shot and you're done. And I think Sergey has that kind of power. Uh, and I think he, he could beat Cyril Gan. I think he could beat Curtis Blades. I don't know that it'll beat Ngannou, but he could. So I got to go with Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, it has to be Pavlovich. It, ha- it has to be Pavlovich. I mean, does it? It has to be. I, oh, I I'll just play think the like, I, yeah, so I don't know. It has to be. It has to be. Tell me why it has to be. Okay. Listen, this guy's an 18 year old. Oh, sorry, we're moving on from the, uh, we're moving off the process thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> if Sergey Pavlovich was 18, I would agree. I would say it has to be him. I would also question no, what I the just, hell they're feeding that man. I'm to genuinely shocked to hear like you that. say that it has to be him because that to me feels very, um, I just jumping on the flavor of the month type of an opinion I, from you. Well, I don't know if you heard about my answer to the last question, but uh, <laughs> I'm kind of in that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in that mood right now, Shane. Um, yeah, I, I the, the blades is is you should you're right. You should benefit from having the more established track record with the company. But MMA is such a what have you done for me lately business that like his longevity in this case actually like works against him. Like the UFC, I think takes a guy like this for granted. Um, which is not to say that he's not going to win a lot more fights that, you know, they'll put guys in front of him and he can beat them. He's going to stay top five for a long time. But Damon made a great point. The two friends in fights. And, and again, Nganu may not be champion for long. We're like, we don't know what's going to happen with the contract thing. Is he going to get the John Jones fight? Uh, maybe he loses to John Jones. That completely opens the door to for Curtis Blaze to get a title fight. Right. But there's, there's a lot of ifs there. With Sergey, I feel like it doesn't matter. I feel like if Nganu is the champion, he can get that fight. If, if John Jones is the champion, that could happen eventually. Um, I, I, it's just he's so fresh. He's so fresh. He's so exciting. He's so intriguing. I, I'm just speaking from the matchmaker's perspective. They just don't see a ceiling with this guy. With a guy like, uh, for now, for now, I mean, that could, that's going to last six months, right? For a guy like Blades, again, they, they, I think they feel like, oh, well, we know what we have with him. And I think they really don't actually appreciate him. I like Blades, too. He just seems like a really good dude. And um, I think he's underrated as far as being fun to watch. I actually enjoy watching him fight. I mean, there's been a couple of whatever uh, wrestle-heavy fights in there. It's fine. That's that's MMA. Um, that's how it happens when you mix the martial arts sometimes. But um, he just has always been missing. I don't know what it is about him. That X factor, uh, that the UFC likes to see when they're really going to get behind someone and push them and give them the big opportunities. And unfortunately the times that he has gotten the big opportunities, he's, he's fallen a little bit short. So the same could happen to Sergey, but I, I'm again, I'm speaking from the matchmaking perspective from the, the perspective of like, Oh, the unknown, we don't know what we have with him. So that, that potential is so, is so, so exciting to me. So I'm going with potential second, second question in a row. And I'm surprised. I, I, I gotta, I gotta be, I'm surprised to hear this from both you guys. Cause I think Jed, it feels like you're sort of coming from the same place as me. Curtis blades. I'm on blades. Yeah. Yeah. Curtis blades is still 31 years old. He's still very fresh in this heavyweight division, despite how much mileage he has in the he's UFC. He's got 10 years left. He at least doesn't take a ton of damage outside of the few fights that he's lost. And if we're being real, he is a nightmare matchup for every single person in this division, not named Francis Ngannou, including John Jones. I actually also think he's a really bad matchup for Francis. I know Francis has beaten him twice. That was four years ago, the most recent one. Like 2018. I, yeah. Yeah. For almost almost five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you, Sean. Like I I don't feel like all the way confident because I haven't ever seen Tai Tuivasa get melted before. So like maybe Sergey has like the Francis touch where he just hits you, but 
we also saw with the Francis touch, like you have to have something else behind it. Eventually somebody can take the shot and then it's what's, what's plan B what's plan C Curtis blades might be the best heavyweight in the world. Uh, my only, my honestly, my biggest trepidation with this is that Sergey has a much easier path to success. That's fair, because <laughs> the UFC ain't gonna do Curtis no favors. <laughs> they haven't been for years, and they are. It is not like we're suddenly gonna get on the Curtis Blades bandwagon and push him to the moon. If he ever slips up, he has to win like six more to get back there. Whereas. Sergey just ethers a couple of dude like Jairzy and Rosenstrike gets his head blown off and Sergey's back into title <laughs> conversation. So it's my only trepidation, but I honestly think Curtis might just be the best heavyweight in the world. So he's, I have to pick him on the principle of it. That's sort of where I'm coming from. Cause like there, there are certain situations where opportunity doesn't necessarily put you ahead, like all the way ahead in the conversations like this, right? Because maybe Sergey Pavlich, he probably will get it, will get opportunity sooner than Curtis Blades will. He is the new hot thing, and he's melted fools left and right. When he gets that opportunity, if he doesn't take advantage of it and he ends up losing, I mean, Curtis Blades can play the waiting game. He's young enough and fresh enough to be able to play the waiting game and just outlast a lot of these heavyweights. And at some point, he will get a chance. And I again, I just I would favor Curtis over almost everybody in this division in well, a fist fight. It's here's the thing. I, as I said, when I gave my answer, I love Curtis blades. I think he's a monster. I just think, I just think circumstances are working against him because he has the two losses to Francis. He's a little bit in like the Daniel Cormier, John Jones situation where John Jones was the champion and Daniel was clearly the number two guy in the world. He just couldn't beat John Jones. And I think that's kind of where Curtis is where I'm not saying he can't beat Francis. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they have fought twice and he has two losses to him. So he's stuck in a situation. And you and I, all of us know the UFC, as we've said, is not going to do him any favors. They're not going to give him Francis in a third fight. They're just not. So, you know, See, he's I, just got I a harder path. I, I actively, I have for a long time thought that that was the case. I think it is. It is not so much that he has two losses to Francis that is the blocker. It's that he's Curtis Blades, and they don't want him to be their champion. <laughs> well, yeah, the I mean, that's, well, no, that's you're, you're not wrong, but I'm saying like, enough. yeah, that's the thing. Eventually, eventually you just, you win, just enough. win enough, and I think Curtis is going to do that. But he also had, like I said, the one like I thought for sure Curtis was the guy, and then Derek Lewis caught him with that uppercut, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. And like I said, that's the scary thing about heavyweight, and that's why I said like I'm just worried that like with the UFC kind of actively working against him and two losses to the current champion, it's just a tougher path for Curtis. I, I don't think it's right. I just think that's the reality. I also have some real concerns about Pavlovich. <laughs> just like he came out of nowhere and people like that. Maybe this is like the new dynamic or maybe Ty came out of nowhere this past year. And then he just got ethered. Like Sergey might just be Jairzinho Rosenstrike. <laughs> he might just be the exact same guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, fellas. Well, last one. Uh, and we'll be brief on this one because I think we hit this topic earlier in the year. But obviously, all of these guys have fought since then. And it's the the question has gotten a little more intriguing uh, when we come up, when we bring them up. The featherweight division. Jed, you and I have been on this banging this drum for a while now. But the young up and comers in this featherweight division are monstrous and they are growing more monstrous by the day and we already hit Ilya Taporia he is one of these also we'll throw Arnold Allen and Movsvar Ivloyev in there too Ilya Taporia 5-0 and in the UFC his best win Bryce Mitchell Arnold Allen 10-0 and in the UFC his best wins 
Cavalcator, Dan Hooker, Sadiq Yusuf, really whichever one you want to throw in there. And then Evloyev, his best win, Dan Ige, he is 6-0 in the UFC. If you have a futures bet right now, gentlemen, which of these three are you throwing in there? Let's start with you, AK. It's Tupuria. It's Tupuria. Listen, who have I saw? All these answers. Who did I see fight more recently? All right, this is how I work. <laughs> who did I see? I got the memory of a goldfish. Um, you also no, picked I think, the youngest guy in all of these, too. I did pick the youngest guy. I've been, I hope I'm not getting a reputation on this show for being ageist because I've been doing a lot of like picking against older fighters and in, uh, in fights. And anyway, uh, but no, I mean, Tupuria, I think he's a total package. I mean, listen, we saw, I think we all saw this. I think after like a second fight, we're all like, well, this guy just looks like a world title contender. And there's the issue making Wade. He has to go up to lightweight. Takes kind of like a meaningless but super fun fight. It turned out to be a super fun fight with Jai Herbert. And he just has, I, I need to see like an A plus skill um, when I see a, a fighter. Now, I mean, th- now you can, you can get a, I think that you can become a champion without an A plus skill. Um, I would argue, and this guy's just be, by becoming champion has broken so many rules. Uh, Leon Edwards doesn't have like a super A plus skill. Maybe those people say is striking. I don't think he's like an A plus elite super striker, but he, he mixed the martial arts well. Boring the pants off of me. Okay, that's that's be nice. <laughs> Taporia, I consider to be. I think he has A plus power. I think the grappling is legit. Like I think, and I need to see that. That's why I put him over above. And I swear I don't hate Arnold Allen. It's just. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been on the bandwagon. The guy has been an incredible win streak. I just feel like the huge moments have been few and far between. Um, it's unfortunate he didn't get to show up a little more against Cater because that could have been a really nice, uh, you know, uh, performance if the injury hadn't happened. Um, as it is, we didn't quite get to see that big, 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 big step up that I want to see. So, I mean, the guy doesn't lose, but I feel like if he fought Taporia, I'd pick Taporia. And uh, and I think Tapuria is on his way to a uh, to a world title shot in sometime in 2023. So I got and and a long long successful career uh, in the UFC or whatever other promotion he ends up with. So I got to go with uh, with Ilya, my man AK. You already know I'm with Ilya as well. Damon, Jed, you guys, Arnold Allen for me. Um, and that's with some trepidation, mainly because Ilya is 25, and so I think the. I think going down is pretty close to a finished product. I, I love the product. And I think that it's reasonable. Like he may be the best featherweight in the world. Uh, you can't pick anybody against, um, you know, the champ at this point, but I would love to see on an Allen fight Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that fight is incredibly compelling. I, I think Tapuri is going to challenge for a belt at some point in the future. And again, he still has more development to go given his age, but I, Arnold Allen has done nothing but impress me. He hasn't lost in like forever. (laughs) So, and he's had some unfortunate turn of events for him, but I thought he should have been the guy in the interim title fight. I would have absolutely picked him to beat either dude that he, either Yair or Emmett for the interim belt. Uh, And I'm, I'm going to keep sticking with him because I, he has very few flaws outside of the fact that he is not a compelling person on the microphone. So Give me Arnold Allen to put you a close second. I love Mavsar Evlov. Still think he's great. He probably gets in the title conversation too, but we're talking about two dudes I am extremely confident fight for the belt. And then Evlov, who's a little less so. I'm going to I'm going to switch it up here and I'm going to say the the right answer is probably Ilya Taporia. He's a monster. Um the, my one concern with him, he showed a little bit in the Bryce Mitchell fight in the second round. I do worry a little bit about his conditioning because he throws so much into everything he does. What happens if it goes into round four and round five? Because I do, I do question that. So my answer, as my, and I'm super high on Taporia. Let me be honest about it. Like he's 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 the dude. 
but I'm going to go with Evlev. I go with the wrestler. I think he's got that one skill. You talk about that A plus skill. He's got that. His brother is a gold medalist in, in, in wrestling. He's a phenomenal wrestler. He's just had injuries and, and things like that have kind of slowed him down. He had a big fight scheduled, obviously, and then he fell out of it due to injury. So uh, I think Evlev is a, is a monster, and I think he's got the one skill and and the the determination to use that one skill. Like Josh Emmett is actually a pretty good wrestler. He just never uses his wrestling. Evlev is not that dude. He's going to go out and wrestle you. He's going to go out and make you work for 15 minutes or 25 minutes. And I think that's a skill set that makes him a dangerous guy. For me, Arnold Allen, Arnold Allen is to me what Leon Edwards is to Jed. I'm not sold on Arnold Allen. I think he's a pretty boring fighter. He had one so exciting fight, and that was his future champion. Got it. He had one. He had one. One exciting fight, and and that's it. And I'm just not sold on him. I've never been sold on him. I think that I just don't think he's ever going to beat a Max Holloway. I don't think he'll beat an Alexander Volkanovski. Um, and again, it's, he's already on like a 12 fight win streak, and he can't even get an interim title shot. So uh, I'm going to go with Evlev, even though I, I I kind of agree. I think Tapori is probably the right answer, but you know, I'll go with Evlev to kind of stick something different in there. I, but, I by love the way, that I, we all just stayed true to form. I picked Arn Allen because I've been uh, repping him for years. Uh, Shaheen picks Tapori. I've been repping him for years. AK goes against the old people because he hates yeah. old people. Oh, come on. Damon picks the wrestler. So we all just stayed right, <laughs> on, brand. right on our brands. <laughs> by the way, well, we're consistent. That's what people come to me fighting for. Uh, by the way, I would pick any three of these guys, Evloev, Allen, or Tapori, to beat Yari Rodriguez or Josh Emmett. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And that's why yeah. that to me is why yeah. this division is so good right now. Like I, so I love this division. Really it's, it's, Taporia Yair is a really good fight. That's a fun fight. I man. think I, I think I picked Taporia still, but I that, could see Yair taking that. Taporia Arnold Allen. I want to see Taporia and Arnold Allen. That's the fight I want. I'd watch that fight too. I I would pick Arnold Allen to win that fight now. A couple years, maybe that's different. The fact that we were able to have that discussion and all three of us pick different. Or all four all of, us, of us, all, all four of us, like end up picking the three different people. Like that just speaks to how ridiculous the the next generation here Dude, is at one forty five. Lightweight. Let's do this at lightweight. There are like six of them. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, well, that is all the time we have here today. Uh, we went a little long for you guys today, but we appreciate you as always. Uh, keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Usually the ranking show. We only do one of these a month, uh, pay per view to pay per view. You know the cycle, but. It's the holiday season, and we're feeling a little more generous. And actually, my favorite show, one of the shows that I look forward to the most the whole entire year, we're going to do a little bonus episode later this year, or later this month, I should say. We're going to have the second annual airing of grievances. It's a tremendous show. Some people have been holding on to some issues. We're going to get, we're going to work through it. Uh, so look forward to that towards the end of the month. Uh, in the meantime, we appreciate you guys so much for joining us. Thank you, Jed. Thank you, Damon. As always, uh, for AK Lee, my name is Sean Oshadi. This is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. Keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. It's a great network. Uh, and we love you guys. we we'll see you soon. Love you guys. Josh Emmett's 37 years old. Josh Emmett is ancient. Josh Emmett is. is. I'm, not, I'm definitely not picking him. Yeah, we know. <laughs> because of other reasons, not just because he's 37. We, we know. Okay. You've been picking Raul Wilson Jr. for a long time. It's going to be quite the time. I did, I did ask you. I did ask you.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.